gracious and loving God, we are thankful that you are a good, good God. And for those of us who have a hard time believing that this morning, we just ask you to overcome this place with your peace and your love that we may begin to trust God that you are good. For those of us who are longing for something good in our lives in the wake of exhaustion and stress and anxiety, God, we come this morning looking for the good, good things you have for us. We love you. Amen. If you will, before you sit down, take a second to give somebody near you a high five. Tell them your name. Um, I'm going to just keep on going here. <laughs> I'm Erica. <laughs> here this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I'm so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm just going to be honest. We've been in this series about relationships for the past um, five weeks, and this week we're going to talk, so we've talked about some things that destroy our relationships, magnifying faults, um, let's see, hopefully there's a rundown here. Yes, thank you. Magnifying faults, having to be right, comparing and competing, fear. And today we're going to talk about how holding grudges is one of the things that keeps us, that destroys our relationships. It keeps us from having healthy and happy relationships. And I'm just going to be really honest with y'all. I've tried every single day this week to get out of preaching this sermon. Um, Monday night I tried, Tuesday night I tried, Wednesday night I finally woke Chris up and I was like, I'm sick. I don't think I'm going to be able to preach on Sunday. And he said, that's a long time away. I think you'll be all right. Um, and then Thursday night I woke him up and I was like, Chris, like my nose is stopped up. I, I, don't, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, you're going to be all right. You're preaching. Friday night I woke him up and I said, I don't have a voice. I don't think I can preach. And he said, you'll be all right, just don't talk all day, uh, Saturday. And so here I am with a voice um, and standing up here to preach. Um, so I just don't want to talk about holding grudges. <laughs> uh, it's not my favorite thing to talk about, but we all do it, right? And I think one of the reasons I didn't want to talk about it is because I know it's one of the things that ruins our relationships and makes it hard to have healthy relationships. Every single day of first grade, a kid named David Tompkins would go by my lunch table, me sitting with my friends, and he would look me in the face and he would say, freckle face, pizza butt. Every single day. This kid, yeah, like why would you say that to someone? He rode my bus y'all. So every afternoon he sat in the back of the bus. I sat in the front of the bus and he would yell it to the front of the bus like freckle face pizza butt. Like I don't even know what that means, but it still hurt. And so it's one of those grudges I put in my backpack, right? My little sister, she's two years younger than me. And when she was in first grade, she got glasses and every single day for three weeks after she got glasses, she got off the bus crying because a girl on our bus called her Four Eyes. This girl who called her Four Eyes was a year older than me. She was a little um, stronger than I was. But I was sick and tired of my sister getting off that bus every single day crying. 
So one day we got near my stop and I took that big three ring binder, you know, how you had to keep all those things organized in those big, huge three ring binder. I took it out of my backpack. I walked back to her bus seat. I put it against her chest and I pinned her against the bus window. I got this far from her nose and I said, if my sister gets off this bus crying one more time, I'm going to make you cry. You are hurting her. Stop it. And I didn't close my backpack up. I grabbed it and ran home because <laughs> I was scared. But if you hurt me or people I love, if you hurt people I love, you hurt me. And it's another one of those grudges I stick in my backpack and I carry with me, right? I remember standing on the sidewalk in elementary school for an hour after school dismissed. My mom and my dad divorced when I was four. My dad promised that he was going to pick me up this one day. He went through stages in our lives where he was in and out of our lives and would do these no-shows. And my mom went on one vacation my entire life. This was the weekend she was going on vacation, and he promised all of us that he would pick us up. My sister and I watched every single one of our friends get in the cars of people picking them up, and my dad never came. The principal came outside and said, why don't you please come sit in my office? You can wait in there. And I said, no, he's coming. And we stood there on that sidewalk for my dad to never show up. My mom's best friend came and picked us up, spent the weekend with us. But that was part of the grudge. He continued to pull that no-show for the rest of my life. I can remember volleyball games and basketball games, looking in the stands, longing for him to show up when he told me he would show up, and he never did. Chris and I got married in the side yard of the old, an old farmhouse that had been in our family for years. And as I was walking out of the house to get married, I remember peeking out the window. And I remember seeing Chris's dad and Chris's mom and grandma. I remember seeing my grandpa sitting on the front row ready to sing Amazing Grace with me when I got to the front. I remember seeing friends and family, and I remember scouring that congregation a couple times and never seeing my dad. He didn't show up. And no show after no show after no show was another grudge. I just picked up and I put it in my backpack. When I was a, a youth, a missionary came to speak to us at our church. And he, uh, he talked about the work that he was doing in South America. He worked in this village, right, um, where they were having a hard time feeding themselves. And I remember him saying really clearly that he started this garden um, project that did irrigation and raised beds to increase the food production so there'd be enough food for the people in their village. And I remember him telling this story, and I remember him looking at us and telling us that sometime God, sometimes God's work is tangible. Like you actually have to roll your sleeves up and work on telling people that God loves them by making sure they're fed long term. And nothing in my life has ever resonated so deeply with me. I was like, that is the kind of work that I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be part of tangibly telling people about God's love. I was so excited about it. I remember feeling like this may be what God has created me to do. And near the end of his presentation, we were sitting there in front of him. And I remember he prayed, he closed his eyes, and he extended his hands like this. And he said, God, from this group of people, I pray that you will call preachers and teachers and doers of your word. And I still get cold chills every time because I knew he was praying for me. And I couldn't wait the next week to tell my Sunday school teacher. I kept it quiet all week. 
And I excitedly went and told my Sunday school teacher, I think God's asking me to serve God in ministry for the rest of my life. And she took me by the arm to my pastor. And she said, she thinks she's called into ministry. And the pastor chuckled. And he told me that I was a girl. And the only way I would be in ministry is if I married a pastor. That was strike one for Chris. Strike two was he went to Duke. <laughs> I do love you. That's not a grudge, I Maybe it is. But, but for the pain that the church has caused, telling us we don't have a place, it's just another grudge I put in my backpack. In graduate school, my best friend and I had a pretty major argument a year after we graduated. She said some things that hurt me, and I said some pretty hurtful things back, and for an entire year, we didn't speak to each other. We both are pastors, and we thought it would be best to separate and not speak to each other for a season. I picked another grudge up, and I put it in my backpack. And it's been, been kind of easy for me, y'all, to walk around with this heavy backpack full of grudges, right? This is the kind of thing that keeps us from having healthy relationships because we carry it everywhere with us and it weighs us down. My back hurts, my neck hurts, my head hurts, my heart hurts, but I keep carrying these grudges with me everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. Science says it's, it's killing our bodies. The stress and the exhaustion, the pain of carrying these with us everywhere, it is, it is literally killing us. And this morning, I, we're going to hear from Jesus an invitation to set these grudges down, to unpack the backpack, and to start forgiving. Because it's the only way we are going to live as healthy people. I've been hurt. Deeply and painfully hurt. And every single one of you have stories just like every grudge I put in here. Every single one of us come this morning knowing what it's like to carry around a toxic bag of grudges. That's what a grudge is. It's a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. And we just keep sticking it in our backpack. A grudge is a toxic weight that we carry. We talked about how even science says if we keep carrying this, it's going to wear us down and wear us out. And this morning, Jesus has some things to say to us about that. See, thousands of years ago, people weren't a lot different than me and you. They knew what it felt like to experience hurt. Their families had hurt them, their friends had hurt them, their religion had hurt them, their government had hurt them. Everywhere they turned, they were hurt. And these people who were tired and exhausted and weighed down from a bag full of grudges came to the feet of Jesus because they heard he was this amazing teacher and they thought he had something to offer them. And so these weighed down, exhausted people stood at the feet of Jesus. And let me tell you what it is that he told them. In Matthew 6... Verse 14 and 15, it says, Jesus tells this worn out, weary group of people who've been carrying backpacks full of grudges with them everywhere they go. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father 
will not forgive you. Did you all hear that? If you want to actually lay this backpack down, God will also lay a backpack full of grudges down. But if you cannot do this, God will not do this. That's what Jesus is saying. He was pretty serious about this forgiveness. He talks about it a lot in his ministry. And I think he was serious about it because Jesus knows the heart of God. He knew that God wanted to repair our world. God wants to make it different. And God can't do that if we're all carrying around backpacks full of grudges. We cannot make any positive change. We cannot shine light. We cannot ignite change if we're carrying these big old backpacks around with us. And Jesus, who knows God's heart, says this is not God's desire for us. So let's talk about what it looks like to lay these grudges down. If you are tired and exhausted and weary this morning from carrying a bunch of grudges around, this is for you. These words of Jesus to forgive are for you. The pattern of Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, his crucifixion, the resurrection, they offer us a pattern for how to forgive others. There are essentially four parts of forgiveness. Recognize harm, change your perspective, seek forgiveness, and repair the relationship. When Jesus was here on earth, one of the first things he said about why he was here, it's it's found in Luke 4. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The very first thing that Jesus does as he starts his ministry here on earth is he recognizes some harms. There are people bound up in prisons. There are people who can't see what they're doing. There are people who are poor and hungry. And I have come to offer a new and a different way. The very first thing that Jesus does is recognize the harm that we all experience. And Jesus spends the rest of his life telling stories that helps us enter into this pattern of forgiveness. It helps us recognize the harm and get free from the grudges. He does this by telling us stories. One of the one of the most powerful stories, one of the first stories that come to mind about these stories that he tells for us to recognize harm and do something about it is the story of the Good Samaritan. Has anybody here ever heard that story? There's a guy who's beat up. He's left on the side of the road. And these, these three guys go by. The first two are really religious, and they just keep on passing this guy who's hurt and beat up and laying on the side of the road. They just keep on going. Right? These two religious guys just keep on going. And then finally, this non-religious guy, this guy who doesn't believe like everybody else believes, he picks the guy up, he bandages him up, he helps him feel better, and he takes him to a hotel. He pays for him to have room and board for a night so that he can heal. The first thing the guy did was recognize harm. Jesus tells this story to people who say, how am I a good neighbor? All these people are like sitting in front of him. You're this great teacher, this awesome teacher. Tell us how to be a good neighbor, how to experience repair in this world. And Jesus tells them the story of the Good Samaritan. And he looks at him right in the face and he says, tell me who the good neighbor was. Was it the first two guys who walked by and ignored him? Or was it the person who actually recognized the harm and did something about it? And all the people respond, well, of course, it was the one who recognized harm. Our first step 
to repairing relationships is to recognize harm. You don't have to be the toughest cookie on the planet. You don't have to get your three-ring binder out of your backpack and slam somebody up against the bus window. You can simply look at them and say, what you are doing is hurting me or hurting the people around you. This is the first step to start unpacking these grudges in our bags. Show up. Share your story. Share your story with someone who has hurt you. For me, just in sharing that story has began to free me up and allow me to begin to look at what it looks like to unpack this backpack. If you're in need of forgiveness, if you need to ask somebody else for forgiveness, you need to be able to to listen to the harm that you've actually done. Take a second to listen to what it is that you may have done to harm someone else. It's going to be heart heart aching, heartbreaking maybe to hear that, but it's essential in order to unpack our backpacks that we begin to recognize some harm. One of the next things that we have to do is change our perspective, right? Jesus did this when he told the story of the Good Samaritan, right? You could see yourself, maybe you felt yourself being a person who usually goes right on by harm and doesn't do anything about it. You began to to feel like what it felt like to be one of those people who wasn't a good neighbor. And then maybe, maybe you were like, I want to be like the third person that bandaged him up and repaired him. I want to be like that. And so you engage in repairing by changing your perspective, changing how you see things. This is the second step in how we begin to seek forgiveness and unpack our backpacks. I believe God gave us hearts that empathize with a person's story. And when we hear the harm that we have caused someone else, I believe it changes our perspective. The folks who heard Jesus tell this story, their perspective was changed. They begin to see things in a different light. And now for us grudge holders, those of us who are holding grudges, this changing perspectives, it requires a lot of work. It requires that we begin to recognize that we are all human. This sounds great. It even maybe sounds easy, me standing up here and saying it, but it's actually really hard work. It requires that we're vulnerable with each other. It requires that we actually begin to see one another. And you don't have to see someone as human and act like they've not hurt you, act like the hurt's not real, minimize the hurt or the things they've caused you. But in order to keep moving forward and continue to empty your backpack, you're going to have to see other people as human. And that it's going to require us to change our perspective. If you are seeking forgiveness, this is going to require you to change your perspective and name the ways that you are changing. The next step is to seek forgiveness. What does it look like to go ahead and release? What's the last thing that you need to actually release this? Maybe you need to sit down and write a letter. Maybe you need to have a conversation or dinner. I don't know what you need. What is the very last thing that you need to look the person in the face and say you are forgiven? Seek that and offer it. Look at them and say you are forgiven. And if you've made it this far, don't stop right there. When you begin to recognize the harm and tell your story, when you begin to change your perspective, that all is hard work. Do not stop when it, come, when it becomes tough to simply seek forgiveness. And finally, repair the relationship. 
In the same way that if I would have walked around all morning with this backpack on, my back would hurt. I would be weighed down and injured, right? In the exact same way that just taking these out doesn't mean I'm, I'm perfect the second I take them off. It's going to take a little bit for our relationships to be repaired. Be patient with that repairing work. Be patient with it. But let, let God, let God's grace and love begin to do that work to repair this relationship. This week, as I was looking at Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, I was struck by something. On the cross, Jesus is about to die, and Jesus says something quite different than he says in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. He's literally dying, and he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus said, Jesus had some pretty heavy stuff to do after he died. He was going to raise from the dead and defeat sin and grudges and pain and death. He was going to do all of that forever. He was going to defeat all of that forever in the resurrection. And Jesus knew in that moment on the cross that he couldn't do that work if he was carrying a backpack full of grudges with him. And so he looked up at God and he said, forgive them. Forgive them for I can't do the work of shining light and igniting change forever if I carry a backpack full of grudges with me. If I hold grudges for every person who's betrayed me and he was betrayed. If I carry a backpack full of grudges, full of, of people who spit on me and mocked at me, who were mean to the people that I love. I cannot do the work of raising from the dead if I'm carrying this stuff with me. So Father, forgive them. And all of the things that we have done that have caused harm, when people have a backpack full of grudges with your name on them, because there are some that have my name on them all over the United States, Jesus said, forgive them. Y'all, as a weighed down, messed up, confused young adult, I sat in a church one Sunday morning, and I didn't even realize how heavy the backpack was that I was carrying with me that morning. I was weighed down, knowing all the pain and chaos that I had both experienced and caused in my life. And a pastor looked at me and he said, God's forgiveness and love is extended to every single person. There is no exception. And I almost lost it. Because I, for the first time, realized God's grace and love was extended even unto me. And I just need to say that again here this morning. God's forgiveness is offered to every single person. No exception, no asterisks, no boxes, no strings attached. God's forgiveness and love are offered to every single person and it will free you up. You are forgiven. You are loved. And this series has been all about repairing your relationships and making you better. We've talked about it for five weeks now, but every single sermon, God has invited us to be people who repair a world where there are a bunch of people carrying around backpacks full of pain and hurt. 
God has said, I want to use you and you and you, every single person in here to shine light. I want to use you and you and you to make this place a better world and ignite change. God has said that every single week. This is about repairing us and our relationships, but it's also about using us to be people who repair, who join in the work of repair beyond these walls. Now, I, I need to be really, really clear before I end this sermon. And this is the part that's probably made me nervous that I didn't want, to, didn't want to have to say ever. But the church has done some real harm in the lives of people. Maybe even in your life. And I just want to say I'm sorry. And I want to be really, really, really clear that at this church we stand for love and forgiveness, Period. We do not put exceptions or asterisks or strings on God's love and the work that God wants to do through the people here. All are welcome and included in the ministry of this church to this community. Because here's the deal. Horizon isn't just a name we call ourselves because it's catchy, because it's not that catchy. (laughs) It is our belief and our commitment to the work that God is doing. God is creating a new day and it is just on the horizon and we are people who are committed to that work. We are committed to experiencing that new day in our lives. Some of us right here this morning are longing for that new day in our lives, but we will also be people who offer that new day by shining light and igniting change to the world because there is a new day and it's just on the horizon. And I believe you're here this morning because you believe that too. We believe that God wants you to experience a new day in your life. But more importantly, we believe God wants to use you as a person who repairs this world that needs a new day too. So if you're here this morning, I want you to hear me loud and clear. We're glad you're here. But just like that missionary told me many years ago, it's time to roll up your sleeves, folks. We've got a world that needs to know They are forgiven and loved. I hope you know this morning you are forgiven and loved. Will you pray with me? God, for those of us who are aware that we're carrying heavy backpacks around everywhere we go, we pray you'll begin, God, to help us to recognize harm, to change our perspective, to seek forgiveness, and to be repairers in this, your world. We love you, God, and we're sorry for all the things we've done that have hurt others. And we pray, God, you'll use us as people who repair your world, who offer forgiveness, who offer love, who roll up our sleeves and make your love known in this, your world. We love you. Amen.